My name is Jenna and I'm here to help you do all the hard things. I'm a licensed professional counselor with nearly 10 years of clinical and research experience working with people who have some of the most debilitating OCD and anxiety in the world. I'm also a mom, a personal trainer, and a lover of modern spirituality. My goal is to bring you all the research, guidance, and encouragement you need to help you remember and know how strong you truly are. Now let's get to it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Happy, happy new year, everybody. It is 2021. Kind of strange to believe that. Um, And continuing conversation about all of the ways that OCD and anxiety absolutely suck. (laughs) Um, So I hope all of you, you know, had a safe and healthy end to 2020. I'm glad to see it go. Yeah, so we're going to continue talking today about another way that OCD can kind of latch on to treatment, latch on to in a really subtle way that maybe you don't even, you know, can't even, you're not even aware of, um, whether you're somebody who is struggling with it or even a therapist. Maybe this tendency for your clients to kind of struggle with the rating seal goes over your head and, and it's not really identifiable as something that's worthy of being discussed in the treatment. Um, But yeah, so what happens when that darn anxiety rating scale that therapists probably are having you guys use, what happens when that's what actually is causing you to be anxious, right? (laughs) Um, So when I say anxiety rating scale, um, I'm referring just basically to what we call a subjective unit of distress scale. So I'll get into exactly what this is a little bit later in the podcast. I will talk to you guys about kind of the place of it in treatment and all of that stuff. But this episode is going to be all about what happens when either you, if you're somebody who struggles with OCD or anxiety, if you're in therapy, or if you're just trying to do exposure work on your own, or if you're a therapist who's currently seeing these individuals, you know, what is it like and what does it look like if somebody is struggling with their rating scale? Um, what might be some issues that they have underlying the difficulty of using the rating scale and what are some strategies um, to kind of implement this difficulty into part of treatment so that you can just get the most out of treatment. Um, Because I think so much and I'm sure my members and the people who I work with are sick of it at some point (laughs) throughout our time together. But I feel like Part of my job as a therapist, especially with OCD and anxiety, because it can be so sneaky, is I'm on the lookout for any way that this OCD or this, you know, these intrusive thoughts or this obsessive doubt is creeping up. And it does get to the point where sometimes I feel like I'm a hammer. So all I see is nails. And so sometimes it can get to that point. And I'll talk to my, you know, my clients about that. But I think it's really good if you do have this kind of suspicion, or if you do feel like this thing is making you anxious, I think that in treatment or just with yourself, it can be good to have these conversations to make sure that it's not something deeper and something that should 
you know, be a treatment target while you're in therapy. So I see this happen often when people really, really struggle with the rating scale in particular. And like I said, I think that sometimes depending on the level of difficulty that somebody has with the rating scale and using it and identifying their ratings, I think it could be a source of exposure work that could be really, really helpful. And as I kind of indicated just recently earlier, I I very rarely think that this is just about the rating scale, right? So if somebody's struggling about the rating scale, I, it's usually deeper than that. It's usually a more subtle kind of overarching struggle with indecision. Um, or, you know, I don't want to be locked into an answer. I don't like that commitment. Um, so very rarely is it just about this superficial manifestation of struggling with the rating scale. It's usually something just a little bit deeper than that. And it's usually a tendency that's kind of threaded through a lot of other um, activities as well. So you got to kind of get further down into what is the real core struggle there. Um, And it can also just be really distracting and anxiety provoking, right? For a client and for a therapist, um, if you're struggling on the anxiety rating scale, because a SUD scale, again, a subjective unit of distress scale is something that we should be using pretty actively in our treatment. And so if it's causing a lot of issues and it's a point of anxiety that we can't really identify, you know, what's going on with it or any strategies about it, we kind of need to overcome that in our therapy sessions, right? So first things first, um, I'm going to talk about just what a SUD scale is, its place in treatment. Then I'm going to move on to how people with anxiety or OCD may struggle with this rating scale, what that looks like. Again, why that might be problematic or some other things that might be going on. And then finally, some strategies, some practical things that you as clients or therapists or just a person with OCD and anxiety can do to kind of deal with this. So what is the SUDS scale? So it's just SUDS, subjective unit of distress scale. Um, And usually working with anxiety and OCD, when I'm asking somebody kind of, you know, how difficult would this be for you? Or what's your anxiety rating right now? I'm using something along the lines of either like a zero to 10 scale. So zero would be no anxiety whatsoever, no distress, no negative affect at all. And then 10 at the highest end of that scale would be the most debilitating anxiety that you could possibly imagine. Um, absolutely no chance of being able to resist rituals. It is the most anxiety provoking thing that you could possibly imagine. Um, and it's really helpful at the beginning of, th- of treatment, um, at the beginning of therapy, especially if you're doing exposure and response prevention to be going over this rating scale and being, you know, really informative about kind of what a zero is, what a 10 is, um, where you intend on taking that person or even starting their therapy sessions Um, as far as exposures go. So for instance, currently I use a zero to 10 scale with my members at no CD. Um, But in the past, I have also used zero to seven scales. I have also used zero to 100 scales. Um, It really could be anything. Um, I I kind of feel like zero to seven or zero to 10 is kind of your best bet. I think zero to 100 is just way too much. Um, I think just keeping it simple is a lot better. Um, But maybe someone else out there has a different viewpoint on that. Um, But yeah, so I would recommend zero to seven or zero to 10, something simple like that. Um, And usually sharing some type of visual or some type of graphic is really helpful for people. So I know I definitely have one that I share with my members or my clients right on the outset of therapy when I'm going over this. Um, Sometimes there's like little frowny faces or happy faces and and stuff like that. just words that are really helpful. 
Um, most important thing, obviously, when working with the anxiety rating scale, when you're talking about exposure and response prevention, you want to make sure that you tell your ther- you tell your members and tell your clients that you're working with. I need to know what your anxiety rating would be for this exposure to do it and not ritualize, right? Um, so really the sud scale is, you know, on a scale of X to X, zero to whatever, how anxiety provoking would this thing be for you? And it's important in therapy, we need to know this because, you know, if we don't have this objective measure, if we don't have this number to kind of gauge everything off of, we're left with this very subjective report or this very um, subjective kind of perception um, as to what you think or how anxiety provoking you think this thing will be. And while that is helpful and that definitely helps us kind of make that determination as to, you know, where you're ready to go. we do need, you know, and rely on this zero to 10 or zero to seven or whatever scale, because if someone says to me, oh yeah, yeah, that wouldn't be too hard. Um, I might, you know, assume that that means a one on a zero to 10 scale. But if I push them a little bit further, then suddenly they say, yeah, that would be about a three. It's like, okay, my understanding of what's not that bad is different from your understanding of what's not that bad. And so it's just helpful to have a number based on their education about the scale and all of that. So here are some of the ways that I have seen people struggle with the anxiety rating scale. And it honestly is very common. It happens a lot. Um, When I was working in residential, especially people, I would say over half of the people struggled with the rating scale and required this education and required this conversation. So it happens a lot. So one way that I would see people struggle a lot would be trying to use half numbers. Um, So saying things like, oh, three and a half instead of three or four. Um, And so that's kind of why I don't feel right about using a zero to 100 scale. I feel like, especially with OCD, if someone's going to struggle with this, if you give them an inch, they'll take a mile. So you could give them 100 potential scores, you know, zero to 100 to rate their anxiety, and they may still come up with half answers. Um, I've had sometimes people give me quarter answers, like my anxiety is a 4.25. I have even had people give me even more specific answers than that, like 4.13. And it's like, that's clearly obsessive. That's clearly compulsive. That's clearly, you know, wanting the answer to be just right. That's clearly an inability to like go one way or the other or settle on one decision or another when those two decisions don't feel right. And so I would encourage people to stick to the rating scale, you know, and for anxiety reasons or not, like have them commit to one of those answers. So I am not a fan of 0.5s. I think it's really good to just be able to give what or, you know, work with what you're given. Um, I would always encourage people if I hear 0.5s, I would have this conversation with them and encourage them to make a decision between a three or four or whatever. Um, The second way, yeah, that I just kind of mentioned is being indecisive. So I have heard people, instead of saying the haves, just straight up being indecisive and saying like, oh, yeah, that would be a three or a four. Um, Maybe they struggle and they say, I don't know. I don't know how anxiety provoking that would be. And you can tell they just get into this loop of doubt and uncertainty and they, you know, struggle with indecision and going back and forth and not being able to commit to an answer. They take a long time to answer. They may even just straight up say that the anxiety rating scale bothers them and that rating things in general bother them. It might also be so anxiety provoking for these people to use the rating scale that that might actually contribute to them avoiding their exposures. 
maybe the exposure itself is already anxiety provoking. And then we add this additional layer of anxiety and having to come up with answers and make decisions about ratings and all of that. And they're not sure if it's right. They may just get so anxious about all of the rating that they may actually avoid their exposures, which is not good. And they may actually be so anxious about the rating process that that mindset and that concern and that doubt takes over and overrides the actual exposure content, right? So if somebody is being given an exposure for pedophile OCD and they're looking at a picture of a child in a playground, but they're really obsessive about the rating scale, they may be looking at the picture, but they may be struggling like, oh my gosh, is my anxiety a four or a three? I don't know. What should I do? I don't, Jenna told me not to put 0.5s, but I don't feel right putting down a four or a three. And so obviously that's not ideal either because they're not being able, they're so anxious about this other stimuli going on that they're not able to focus on the actual content of the exposure content. Um, They may ask for reassurance about the scale. Obviously, this can come in the form of verbal reassurance, but it might also, you know, if you gave them the visual of the rating scale, they might flip back through that paperwork and have to constantly be referring to that to make sure that they're kind of getting it just right. And now moving into kind of why this is problematic is, first, I mean, it's, it's, it could be ritualistic in nature, right? Especially if somebody is reassurance seeking or checking, um, we don't want to be giving into that reassurance and we don't want to be allowing that checking. We want to be sure that we're talking to our, our clients about it. We want to be sure that we're not allowing those subtle rituals to kind of come about because even if they are super subtle, I think subtle rituals are sometimes the worst because the analogy that I always use is that it's the shrimp that feed the sea monster. So somebody could really be struggling in school, but let's say that they struggle, they're struggling just really subtly with the rating scale. And maybe you're thinking, oh yeah, it's not that big of a deal. Their their issues with school are way worse than this. This issue with the rating scale isn't worth my time. Well, it might be so subtle of a ritual you know, that it might be feeding into the other academic stuff, like difficulty making a decision or difficulty committing to a decision, fearfulness of not getting the answer right, so on and so forth. So there's potential for sure for all this to be ritualistic in nature. And you as a therapist or a person working on ERP definitely want to kind of just explore that potential a little bit more. Um, And like I mentioned earlier, it's, it's not just about this subtle manifestation of the rating scale. It's usually indicative that there's something so much deeper than that and that they potentially struggle more generally with decision making, right? So it's good to talk about and explore kind of why this seems so important to them. Um, You want to talk about, you know, it seems, you know, I'm noticing maybe some catastrophizing, right? Like I'm scared that if I put a three or a four instead of a 3.5, you know, I'm going to put down the wrong answer and then that's going to affect my treatment. And then if it affects my treatment, then you're not going to understand what's going on. If you don't understand what's going on, then you can't help me. And so you can see how they're really kind of catastrophizing about if they rate this exposure wrong by a half of a point that all of their treatment is going to be messed up and the rest of their life is going to be thrown off track. So educating them about that cognitive distortion and encouraging them that they have to try to sit with the uncertainty of that, right? Like, I think it's important to have them do the exposure. We don't want to do, obviously, any like thought processing or cognitive distortion explaining during the the process of the exposure because that will decrease their anxiety and that's not what we want to do during the exposure. But I do think just general education about some of these thought processes can be really, really helpful outside of the exposure time. 
Um, and they're probably overestimating the probability of them giving the wrong answer, right? Like what's really the difference between a, what, what physiologically and what as, as far as what would have a legitimate, realistic impact on your treatment and on the rest of your life is the difference between a 3.5 and a three. I mean, really, right? So yeah, so lots of different ways that this can be problematic. And so I think it's really important to be delving into it with your, you know, with your therapist or with your client, whatever end of the um, kind of table that you're on. And before I get to ways that you can actually practically address this, either as a therapist or as somebody working with the ERP yourself, I'm going to take a quick break and tell you guys about one of my favorite, favorite products. And then I'm going to be back. And like I said, we'll go over a ton of different strategies that you can use to kind of bust through this block of using this tricky, tricky rating scale. I'm so excited to share with you guys a planner that I've had for months now. And now I have an absolutely incredible offer so that you can enjoy it with me. I've tried yearly planners, blank diaries, and everything in between, all the way from back when I was in high school. Silk and Sonder is the perfect planner that I've been waiting for for years. Silk and Sonder is a self-care monthly planner and journal subscription service, including monthly, weekly, and daily planning pages, plus activities that change each month and are targeted to help with your self-care. You'll get coloring pages, recipes, habit trackers, journaling prompts, and more. Silk and Sonder offers monthly, quarterly, annual, and gift subscriptions. It's the first ever monthly planning experience aimed to empower you to live the life that you've always wanted. Inspired by a new theme each month, they hand curate, design, and deliver each issue straight to your doorstep. You'll love each month's blend of productivity and planning, introspection and mindfulness, and lifestyle content. I've been using mine for months, and I'll honestly never go back to a regular planner ever again. For 25% off your order, head to my website at jennaoverbod.com and click on deals. All right, now, how the heck do we address this? So I have six things that you can do, either as a therapist or as a client, whatever, to bust through this block of the rating scale being distracting, being anxiety-provoking, and potentially a sign that something else is going on. Um, So as always, first things first, I think education goes a huge way. Um, I'm a big advocate for, I mean, I, I think in general, my style as a therapist is the teaching style. I think of all the different hats that we have to wear as a therapist, I definitely love I, I want to say love, and hopefully I'm good at it. Hopefully that's the part that comes out. Um, but I am a huge advocate for just a ton of education, especially in ERP, because I think it's really well suited for, ER, you know, in ERP. Um, my style as a therapist is to kind of arm my clients and my members um, kind of with all of the knowledge that I have, with all of the decision-making that I have about when to move on from exposures, how to generate exposures, how to handle this anxiety-provoking situation. I want to arm my clients with all of that information and all of that knowledge and all of that kind of mental talent and mental wherewithal um, so that they can continue without me and continue without having this structured ERP um, strategy or a therapist or whatever, I want them to be able to just live a totally different and new and improved life with their anxiety and with their OCD. Because 
in my opinion, I don't think that it ever really goes away completely. You know, I think the concept of having to get away from intrusive thoughts or get away from anxiety completely is um, unrealistic and irrational to expect. Um, so I think we're going to constantly have to be addressing and readdressing and reevaluating um, our relationship with anxiety. So I think education is huge. So education, first and foremost, would be the number one way that I address this issue with the rating scale. Talking to the clients or just becoming more aware of all of these um, potential difficulties, normalizing the difficulties, talking about how it happens a ton in treatment, just validating it, giving the, the person some context for it. Um, and also, you know, amping up why it's a problem, why it's something that we need to talk about. Basically, listen to this podcast <laughs> um, or have them listen to this podcast. Um, the number two way that I would address this problem is to make it into exposures. Um, so you can actually give them an exposure to rate exposures, right? So you could actually give them an assignment or do an assignment for yourself to actually rate things and maybe put themselves on a timer. Um, and within 15 seconds, they have to decide and they can't use half ratings. Um, and of course, the ritual prevention for that would be not avoiding it, not going back and forth and trying to review or self-assure um, whether they gave the right answer, not going back and fixing it or scratching it out. That's actually probably another way now that I'm thinking about it is how it comes out is, you know, I'll get a lot of people wanting me to go back and change things on their hierarchy because they think they re-rated, you know, rated things wrong. Or I'll, if I give them a bunch of ideas on paper or via email, um, I'll get a bunch of like scratches. Um, or like, especially if it's a paper version, I'll get a bunch of like in pen, they'll be like scratching them out or you can tell that they erased a ton. Um, so be on the lookout for that too. Um, and yeah, even in residential and it, you could do it in outpatient too. You could do it in any level of care. Um, but I would just give them an exposure. I would give my res, you know, my clients or my residents uh, an exposure to just be randomly asked how they're doing on a scale of zero to 10 and have them rate it quickly without second guessing or taking a really long time. So if somebody really struggled with the zero to seven scale where I used to work, um, we would just make that an exposure where we would random rapid fire throughout the entire unit, throughout the entire day, like, hey, Joe what's your anxiety right now on a scale of zero to seven? And they would literally have to like drop whatever it was that they were doing and really quickly give us an answer. And that was usually really difficult for them if this rating scale is something that they struggled with. But in true exposure form, they obviously habituate to that with repetition and continued exposure to that situation. They eventually come to learn that they aren't, you know, as locked into that answer as they potentially thought that they were, or that they're not as such catastrophic events going on as a result of that stuff. And so the habituation take pl takes place, the learning takes place, and all is well. Um, three, I would set some limits um, with yourself or with your clients who you're working with. So I would straight up off the bat say no half ratings and educate obviously as to why. Um, and just encourage them that they have to make a decision. So no more like back and forth, oh, a three or a four. Like, I, I need you to make a decision. I'm not going to write down three slash four. Um, just really setting limits and, you know, setting them up with the environment that we're not going to, you know, as long as they allow it and it's manageable for them. And obviously they're collaborative with you and they're, you know, on board with it. No half ratings and no, um, you know, putting two answers or whatever. I would also you know, evaluate or try to explore if there are other exposure potential ideas for other decision-making, right? So chances are they're not just struggling with this rating scale and nothing else. 
chances are they also struggle with things like personality tests or even like diagnostic tests where they have to identify, you know, how many hours a day do you spend on OCD behaviors? Um, Chances are they might struggle with decisions about like, do I do this homework assignment first or this homework assignment first? Should I fold laundry first or should I take, you know, take the garbage out first? Um, Chances are they have a really hard time with decision making in other areas of their life too. So brainstorming some ideas about that and uh, coming up with some other exposure ideas to put in their hierarchy for that. Um, Fifth one here, as always, I think it's important to identify the core fear. So again, asking people, you know, if so you're afraid that, you know, you're going to give the wrong answer or you want to say three and a half because you don't feel like three or four, you know, really captures it all. Let's say that we don't capture it all. Then what? Then what's the fear? And then just keep asking, and then what? And then what? And then what? And in my experience, a lot of the fear sometimes tends to be like that they'll be made fun of or that they'll make a wrong decision, that it'll just feel wrong, that it won't feel right or, you know, as locked in, um, that they're going to give a wrong answer. And something else here that I think is important to explore is, you know, are they actually the, is the core fear here that they're actually worried that like this rating for this one exposure is going to have this absolutely detrimental catastrophic effect on the rest of their treatment and therefore the rest of their life. And so if you can kind of tie those ends together, that somebody really thinks that, you know, a three and a half, a 3.5 versus saying three or four is going to have these long-term detrimental effects that is going to lead to them being 80 and still struggling with debilitating OCD. I think that's really something to address um, in treatment, obviously. And I think that there's going to be a lot of other ways that this comes up in their life. Um, And then the sixth thing here, I think this is a last resort, um, but I would use it as like a leaping pad, so to speak, or kind of a stepping stone. You could kind of ditch the numbers. Sometimes numbers are just really tricky for people. And you could use a high, medium, low, or none scale. So this has this causes me a high amount of anxiety. This causes me a medium amount of anxiety, low anxiety, or no anxiety. And so sometimes just having the wording of the ratings in only like three or four of them is a lot more manageable than having the numeric ratings and having more of them. So I still, though, would, like I said, use that as kind of a leaping pad just to kind of get them going on making some type of decision. I'm also a big believer that if that's not addressed and you just kind of put a Band-Aid on it and you don't ever come back to eventually work on the numeric rating system or have future conversations about that, something else is going to happen. Like it's the the problem is going to be there. So if you feed the beast, it shall live. And if you continue to feed the fear of the rating of the numeric rating scale, that fear is going to come back up, whether it's in school or academic, academia or in another therapy session or in some other way. So I would definitely use this if you feel like you need to just to kind of get them to buy in and to kind of get some footing when it comes to treatment and reading ideas for exposures. But let them know that there's probably something else going on and you can take your time to kind of evaluate that. Um, it doesn't need to interfere with treatment, but eventually it's going to be a good idea to come back and try to see maybe after some other exposures, if they can come back to eventually accepting and working through that zero to 10 or zero to whatever scale. So six practical ways that you can address this. And I'll recap really, really quickly. One, education, just talking to the client about it, you know, becoming more aware of it yourself. 
to making it into actual exposures. And one way could be just asking them randomly, you know, how are you doing right now on a scale of zero to 10 or zero to seven? Three, setting limits. So setting, you know, limits right off the bat, like no half ratings, no either or, you have to make a decision. Four, coming up with other exposures to make decisions. So ideal, you know, I would guarantee almost in all these situations, there are other struggles that have to be um, dealt with when it comes to decision making. So identifying in what other areas they struggle with decisions, um, whether it's with paperwork or school and making other exposures about that as far as decision making goes. Fifth one, I would identify the core fear. So asking them, and then what? And then what? And then what? And then what? And then just following that line of thinking and following that anxious thought by saying, and then what? And then what? Can be really helpful to leading you in the direction of identifying the core fear. And then once you identify the core fear, there has to be some exposures around that. And last one, like I said, is the last resort, which is using a high, medium, low, or none scale or something along those lines. And again, I would use that as a stepping stone. I would not use that as anything more than just a temporary band-aid in the moment. I would always want to come back to what that core fear is, address the elephant in the room, and eventually try to work through that numeric rating scale. If you have any other thoughts or concerns that have come up for you in your use of the rating scale, whether it's as a client or someone who's working on ERP, um, or you're a therapist out there working and you've seen other ways that this manifests or you've you know, come up with other ways to kind of strategize your way through it, please reach out and let me know. Um, I would love to post it, you know, maybe do a, a follow-up episode with some of the, these things. Um, definitely for sure posting it on my Instagram, I know would be helpful for the OCD and therapist community I have following me on there. Um, plus, I'm a nerd, obviously, and I love talking about this stuff. Um, and I want to make sure that we're getting all the tips out there to better ERP treatment and make it more accessible and make it honestly so that when people do get treatment for their OCD and anxiety, it's awesome treatment. Um, the most devastating thing to me lately has been, you know, not only are people having to wait 10 to 17 years to get a proper diagnosis or to get proper treatment, the worst possible thing that could happen, I think, is that somebody gets into treatment finally. And it's not the right treatment um, or that it's it's exposure therapy, but there are it's not, you know, as high quality as I would like for it to be for them. So in the meanwhile, please reach out with any thoughts you have. If you have time, please follow and subscribe to the podcast. It would be even more awesome if you could take just a few seconds and write a quick review. Uh, those are really small actions that keep the podcast going and keep me generating new and awesome content for you all. Uh, I hope that this helps kind of address some of your own difficulties with that tricky, tricky rating scale. Um, it's a necessary evil, unfortunately, so we have to work through it. Um, so whether it's with the rating scale, you guys, as we move into 2021, in whatever ways that you need to, keep doing all the hard things. I'll talk to you next time. For more information and resources, head to my website at www.jennaoverbaugh.com. From there, you can sign up for my email newsletter so you can make sure that you are the most up-to-date about upcoming resources, podcast episodes, blogs, challenges, and more. Also, check me out on Instagram at jenna.overbaugh and tune into some other episodes here while you're at it. As always, if you have a free minute, it would mean the world to me if you could please subscribe and rate this podcast. 
Subscriptions and ratings help me keep the podcast going and help me spread the word to other people who need these resources and they otherwise may not get them. With that said, thank you guys so much for tuning in. I really love creating these episodes for you. And until next time, keep doing all the hard things.